Well, greetings, everybody. This is Pastor Tyler. I'm so excited to be here with you and welcome you to our service as you have welcomed us into your homes. And we're getting ready to get into the word. I just want to remind you, if you would share this video with your friends and family members, because we're getting ready to get into some things that hopefully encourage you and challenge you during this time of isolation. So let's join one another with a word of prayer. Wherever you are, lift up your hands. Father God, we petition you for your strength, for your power, for your peace, for your reality to invade our lives. God, we recognize that there's so much going on in the world and God, we need your strength. We need your power. We need your presence to be with us, always near us, attending to us in large and small ways. I pray for those who are struggling with sickness right now. I pray that you would show yourself to be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I pray for those who are struggling with financial needs right now. I pray that you would show yourself to be Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. God, I pray for those who need your presence, who need to feel as though you are here with them. I, I pray that you would reveal yourself as Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there, the Lord who is present with us. God, would you now illuminate this word in our hearts that we would have ears to hear what you are saying in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter one. I am so excited to start a new series and this series is entitled Back to the Future. Back to the Future. And what encouraged this series isn't the 1980s movie with Michael J. Fox. That's not what encouraged me to choose this title, but what encouraged me to choose this title, and I'm so excited to get into it because what I've been hearing for the past few weeks as we've moved from physical gatherings to an online service, as we've had to shift the way that we do church, I've been hearing for so long that we need to do something new. You probably have heard this too. We need to do something new. The church needs to do something new. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that concept. There's nothing wrong with the idea that we need to do something new. Of course, I'm the millennial, so I'm the guy who wants to change things. I'm the guy who wants to innovate. But I think the, the problem is we start to think and idolize what is new over what God has called us to do. Let me say that again. I think we start to idolize what is new over what God has called us to do. I want to give you just a statement that probably will help you and encourage you, and you can probably attest to this as well. The statement is this, new things don't solve old problems. New things don't solve old problems. Perhaps you've been in that scenario. Have you ever moved from one situation to the next and realized that the dysfunction you were, it were facing in the old situation, it followed you to your new situation? Have you ever moved from relationship to relationship and you realized that the problems you were having in the previous relationship you still brought over with you? Just because something is new doesn't mean it's better. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is what has God called us to do? And I believe God has called us as a body, not just as a local body, but as a corporate body of Christ globally. God is calling us to go back. We must go back. If you're watching on the live stream, I want you to type in the comments, I need to go back. I want you to type, I need to go back. What am I saying? I'm saying, what if God isn't calling us to discovery? What if God is calling us to recovery? What if God is not calling us to innovation? What if God is calling us to reclamation? What if God is calling us not to expansion? What if God is calling us to consecration? What if he's not calling us to a new formula, but an ancient path? And so the tagline and subtitle of this series, Back to the Future, is, is carrying the ancient path into a new moment. 
carrying the ancient path into a new moment. Uh, what has encouraged me to think through this is this principle, this African concept. It's called Sankofa. And some of you may be familiar with it, but Sankofa simply means go back and get it. Go back and get it. And the proverb that's associated with this concept of Sankofa, it says it is not wrong to go back for that which you have forgotten. It is not wrong for you to go back for that which you have forgotten. You know, I, I remember hearing this story about a guy named Pat Riley. Pat Riley's a Hall of Fame basketball coach, and Pat Riley was talking about this idea after coaching championship teams after championship team, after coaching Hall of Famers, after achieving the heights of success when it comes to the National Basketball Association. Paul, uh, Pat Riley talked about this concept of the disease of more, the disease of more. And he says this, success is often the first step towards disaster. Success is often the first step towards disaster. He said when a team wins a title and accomplishes something, everything on a team changes. Everyone on the team wants more shots, more attention, more money, and it kills them. It's hard not to be, it's hard not to be selfish, but you have to fight that and find a way around it. And what I think is not that we're struggling with the disease of more, although that's probably part of it, but I think that the, the church is struggling with the disease of new, the disease of new. We have the mindset that we need something new. Perhaps God is not calling us to find something new, but to do something ancient and bring it into a new moment. God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And because God has not changed, I'm here to tell you, he wants you to do what he has called you to do, not necessarily something new the disease of new. And so before we can get into back to the future, we're actually gonna take a look over the next few weeks at some go back statements in the Bible, some go back statements in the text of scripture. But before we can get into that, we have to do some deconstruction. We have to do kind of a pre-sermon to all the sermon series, okay? Are you ready for this? We're gonna, we're gonna talk about this concept. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. Of course, some of you hip-hop fans know that that's a biggie lyric. You know that. But that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the idea that the things that we had in our hearts as dreams, what happened to them? What happened to the things that we had in our hearts as dreams? Let, let me tell you a quick story. You know, I grew up wanting to do a lot of different things. And when I got into college, I had this dream, right? I had this dream that was based upon this old movie that we used to watch, and some of you are familiar with this film. It's called Sister Act Two. Anybody familiar with Sister Act Two? Sister Act Two, it's a really classic film. No shade to the original, but I really appreciate Sister Act Two because we used to have that on VHS tape. You heard me right, VHS tape. And so we would watch Sister Act 2 again and again, and they would sing this song called Oh Happy Day, and the guy who was standing in the front and singing, I was like, man, he's got such a powerful voice, and I feel like, I don't know, when I'm in the shower, I feel like I can sing that good, you know, so, so I decided I was going to try out for the campus choir at the college that I was attending. So I wanted to go try out for the campus choir. And I went with one of my friends, and when we arrive, I find out that the friend who was supposed to be coming as support, my friend, he was actually trying out too. So that was the first red flag. My friend decided that he was not going to be my support system. He was going to become my competition. So I said, this is really interesting. So I get up there, and, and I had never heard my friend really sing before, maybe in passing, and I felt like he could carry a tune. But, you know, I said, well, you know, maybe he's got a nice voice. And I kid you not, church, when, when he started singing, 
he went before me. When he started singing, he decided he was going to sing the national anthem. I said, that's not really a spiritual song. I thought we were singing for a gospel choir, but he said, I'm going to sing the national anthem. And he sang so well, I kid you not, he could have been on American Idol. He hit runs I did not know were even possible. And I sat back and I said, oh my goodness, I can't believe that my support system is now my competition. And then I get up. And to me, you know, I thought it sounded decent, but the reality is when I heard it come out of my mouth, when I got into the second verse of what I was singing, I, I realized it sounded like a cat slowly dying. Can I be honest with you? It sounded like a cat slowly dying. I, I realized that I didn't have that gift, and you know, but the, but the guys in the back, the judges in the back, they teared up. They teared up, and they had some, some tears in their eyes, and so I thought, wow, it must have really been anointed. Even though it wasn't that good, it must have been anointed, and so, you know, when I finished, I, I thought they were going to say, you did a great job, but the judge, he just shook his head, and he said, I really wanted that to be good. I said, oh my goodness, he said, I really wanted that to be good, but it wasn't. I'm sorry, Tyler, we're not going to choose you for the gospel choir, and I remember I was so let down because my friend made it. I didn't make it guy who's supposed to be my support system, he took my spot, so I thought. And I was talking to one of my other friends about it, and he said, you know, Tyler, maybe this isn't the dream you need to pursue. You see, I thought I had a dream. I thought I was going to be like the kid from Sister Act 2, but the reality is I didn't have a dream. I had a fantasy. My thing is, I think that many of us have constructed dreams for ourselves that aren't based on God's dreams, but based on human fantasies. Many of us think that we have been called to do something based upon what we see in other people, based upon how we see other people receiving acclaim, based upon what we think will be most lucrative and glamorous for us to represent it. And God is saying, baby, that's not a dream. That's a fantasy. That's something you cooked up in your own mind. And I'm here to talk to three groups of people today. First group of people, you have failed to accomplish your dreams. The second group of people are people who have accomplished their dreams and it didn't fulfill them. And the third group of people who don't know that they have any dreams. They don't know what their dreams are. I'm speaking to all of you because I believe God is going to communicate to us in, in a dream that he has for us. And the problem is most of us, we get our ideas of dreams from this concept, this word that we hear in a lot of our kids' movies. It's follow your dreams, right? Follow your dreams. That's what we say. That's what we hear. There's nothing wrong with that concept. But the truth is that the problem with this perspective is that these dreams have been clouded, have been overshadowed by this corporate reality, this cultural reality called the American dream. You know what that is, right? The American dream is this concept that you can accomplish anything in this country by your sheer will and your individualism. You can accomplish anything by pulling yourself up. You can accomplish anything based upon the connections that you have and who you know. The truth of the matter is, the American dream is not the kingdom of God. The American dream is not operating by the same principles that God has. And many of us say we're following dreams that God gave us, but really they're fantasies of the American dream. And God is saying, I don't want you to follow a fantasy anymore. The American dream is fading away. The American dream is proving to be hollow and shallow. I want you to follow the dream that I have for you. You can't talk about dreams in the Bible without talking about this character named Joseph, right? And instead of following God's dreams, the reality is that most of us, we settle for fantasies. And Joseph had to realize that he couldn't settle for fantasies. He had to actually follow the dream that God had given him because fantasies, they always overpromise and underdeliver. 
Fantasy is always over-promise and under-deliver. And if you want to know why I think the American dream has clouded our vision of what dreams are, let me give you an example. Let me prove it to you. When I said that we were talking about the biblical character Joseph, 95% of us thought about the Old Testament Joseph, right? He's the guy that God communicated to in dreams. He's the guy who had a quote-unquote successful life. He reached the pinnacle of the Egyptian kingdom. He's the guy who did everything right. He's the guy who was a type of Christ. This is the Joseph that surely you're talking about when you talk about dreams. But the truth is, I'm talking about the New Testament Joseph. I'm talking about the Joseph that held the Son of God in his hands. I'm talking about the Joseph who was called and, and faded away into obscurity after a few chapters of the New Testament. Talking about the Joseph who was unlikely, but Joseph who was a working class man. That's the Joseph. And I think when we look at the the, the picture of who Joseph is and we look at some of the things that he did, as God communicated to him in dreams, we find some key things. If you want to know if it's a God dream or a human fantasy, watch the life of Joseph. There's just three things that I see that God dreams will do in our hearts, that will do in our spirits, that will do in our minds. Are you ready for this? The first one found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. You have to put yourself in Joseph's shoes, right? His betrothed wife that he had been excited to marry that he had been following all the right customs to go through the process of marrying, his betrothed wife, for some odd reason, is found to be pregnant. Now, can you imagine the conversation that Joseph would have with his boys about this? Can you imagine him trying to explain this to other people? Can you imagine Joseph trying to rationalize this in his mind? And the Bible says that Joseph is a righteous man. He's a man who's going to follow the law. And because he's going to follow the law, but still doesn't want to put Mary on front street, what he's going to do is he's going to put her away privately. He's going to cover her sin and her shame. He's going to do things the right way, but he surely can't marry her. He can't go through with this. He doesn't even know whose kid this is. And and then God appears to him in a dream. The angel says, Joseph, son of David. You want to know how you can know the first way you can know that your dreams are God dreams? The first thing, watch this, dreams remind us of our identity. Dreams remind us of our identity. Notice he says, Joseph, thou son of David. He's pulling on his lineage. He's pulling on his ancestry. He's pulling on his past. He's saying, remember who you are. You see, this is the thing about fantasies. Fantasies will point you to who you want to be, but dreams will remind you of who you already are. Let me say that again. Fantasies point you toward who you want to be, but dreams will remind you of who you already are. He stands before Joseph and says, I want you to remember your lineage, remember your heritage. And what so many of us have fallen into, so many of us believe that we establish ourselves from the outside in. 
So many of us believe that we establish our worth from the outside in, but God says, no, that's not how I work in my kingdom. I establish you from the inside out. Who are you? Who has God created you to be? And I feel like the angel was trying to remind Joseph, hey, you have royal lineage. You have royal blood. There is something that I've called for you to do. And if I can take a shepherd boy named David and make him a king, I can take a carpenter and make him the father of the son of God. Did you hear what I just said? If he can take a shepherd, boy and make him a king. He can take a carpenter and make him the father of the son of God. He's saying, remember who you are. God shocks us. He reminds us that before I ask you to do anything, I need, to rem- I need you to remember who you are. I need to remind you. I need to bring it into remembrance who I have created you to be. I'll never forget one time when I was growing up, I got in trouble. And, and this is embarrassing because I'm a PK. And as a PK, I got in trouble by association. Anybody ever heard of that guilt by association? You know, you didn't really necessarily do the thing that everybody else did, but you still got in trouble because you was around them, right? That was my reality. And I remember I got in trouble at our youth camp and it was guilt by association. I got in trouble for a physical altercation. I'm not even going to call it a fight. Because Buddy hit me with a two-piece and a biscuit. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to cap for the cameras. He messed me up pretty good. He, he hit me. It was over before I even, I even realized it started. You know, it just happened so quick. It was like, pop, pop. And, you know, I was on the ground, and I woke up, and I was looking around. And, and, and you know, I got in trouble for that because I instigated it. And I got home, and I remember I was talking to my dad, and I said, Dad, it wasn't my fault. He threw the first punch. Dad, it wasn't me. I'm not the one who did it. I'm not the person who instigated it. And I'll never forget what he said because, you know, I was trying to say, I was trying to point at this other guy and say, this other guy is the one who messed me up. This other guy is the one who's at fault. And my parents, they kept cutting me off. They kept saying, it doesn't matter what someone else did. I'm like, how does it not matter what someone else did? I'm the victim here. I'm the person who got in trouble. It doesn't matter what someone else did. What did you do? I'm like, but I got beat up. I'm the victim here. You know, I got two pieces and a biscuit, man. I'm not going to cap for the cameras. It wasn't a fight. It was a physical altercation. He got the best of me. He got the drop on me. What did you do? And I kept saying, I don't really understand it. They said, you have to understand something. This is what my parents told me. They said, you have to understand this. I'm not so much concerned about what the other kids are doing. And I said, why aren't you concerned? This is your church, right? These are people around you. They said, I'm not primarily concerned about what other kids are doing because they don't have our last name. The difference between you and the other kids is that you have the name Burns at the end of your name. And as long as you are a Burns, as long as you carry our name, as long as you are our son, you have to act accordingly. You will carry yourself with respect and dignity. You will respect and love other people. You will love your enemies. You will always take the high road. As long as you carry our name, you have to act like you carry the name. And I feel like God is saying in this time, even though we're isolated, even though we're quarantined. Who are you? You better not forget who you are. You better not forget what I've called you to do. And what God is saying is he's tired of us. You you know, this is so, this is, I wasn't even going to go here. God is so tired of us taking the vision of someone else's life and acting like that's our vision. God is so tired of us peering over the shoulder at someone else's test, trying to copy the answers on a test he didn't give us. 
God is so tired of us looking at someone else's call and saying, I wish I were created like that. I wish I could do what she does. I wish I could do what he does. He says, no, what have I called you to do? You see, some of us, we're so into the glamour. We're so into the glitz. We're so into the platform. And God says, I am not your glam squad. I did not set this up. I did not give you a call so that you would look good. I gave you a call so that my name would be great. Remember who you are. Dreams will inevitably remind us of our identity. And that's what he had to do with Joseph. First, he had to say, Joseph, thou son of David. Notice here he keeps going, verse 21. He says, Mary will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Then verse 22 is so interesting. He says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. You know, there are some verses of scripture that are so interesting to me because they're frustrating. There are some verses of scripture that kind of push us out of the way. There are some verses of scripture that kind of make me feel a certain type of way. And this is one of them. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Now, you know, if I'm Joseph... I'm looking around and I'm trying to figure out, why is this happening to me? You ever been there? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I thought I did the right thing. Thought I set everything up right. Thought I was keeping my life together. Thought I had everything set in place. Thought I was following God in the way that I should. Why is this happening to me? Now, all of a sudden, my life is upended. Perhaps you've thought this at the beginning of the pandemic. Perhaps you looked around and you said, why is this happening to me right now? This doesn't make any sense. God, I did what you told me to do. God, I've been following you. And now all of a sudden there's confusion in my life. And I didn't even bring it. It wasn't even a product of my own wrong or bad decisions. If that's you, I just want you to give me a wave on the live stream. Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why is is this happening in my life? And the reality is, you know, I would have acted that way if I were Joseph, but Joseph doesn't really do that. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, watch this, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. (laughs) What? Joseph didn't ask any questions, doesn't record an extensive dialogue with him, doesn't record a debate session with Joseph and with the angel. Joseph doesn't ask any questions. Joseph just simply takes what the Lord had said to him in the dream and then goes and does it. Number two, not just dreams will not just remind you of your identity. Number two, dreams remove our authority. Dreams remove our authority. You know, if you're familiar with Jewish custom, then you recognize that for a wedding like this, Joseph was going to set himself up for all kinds of embarrassment. Joseph would have to travel through his entire hometown and and go and grab his betrothed and then take her and parade her through the entire town. Joseph was setting himself up for embarrassment. Joseph was setting himself up to be laughed at. Joseph was setting himself up to be mocked. Joseph was setting himself up to to basically feel like he was was the laughingstock of the city. Joseph was setting himself up for frustration and anguish and pain. And and I don't know about you, but if if I were this, if I were in this position, I would sit back and I would say, God, I I see what you're doing. I hear what you're doing, but, but I'm out of it. You ever been there? God, I can't do this. I've been doing everything right. And because I've been doing everything right, I cannot subject myself to this. 
And the reality is, can I help you with something? God is the owner. You don't own anything. There is something in the, in the, the-, the theological uh, conversation is called sovereignty. That means that God is above. He has autonomous will. That means he keeps his own counsel. You realize God didn't consult you when he recruited you. God didn't consult you when he gave you a mission. God didn't consult you when he set you up in the family that you're in. God didn't consult you when he gave you that job opportunity. God didn't consult you when he gave you them kids. God didn't consult you with any of that. God is in charge. And God says to Joseph, if I've set you up in this, then you have to respect my authority. Dreams, God dreams, are going to remove us from the authority position. Human fantasies are going to make us think that we're in charge, that we're in control, that we call the shots, that we're entrepreneurial, that we're the boss. And the truth of the matter is, if you don't know it by now, the pandemic has proven it to you. You are not in control. You are not in charge. And unfortunately, we see this in the life of Joseph. And fantasies often are about owning Fantasies are about what we can own. Fantasies are about what we can capture. Fantasies are about what we can control. Fantasies are about ownership. But let me tell you this, dreams are about obedience. Fantasies are about ownership. Dreams are about obedience. Will you do what God has called you to do? You know, there's this question that's going on going around in our public discourse. It's a governmental question. And the question is between the the federal government and the state government, right? If you're in the United States context and you know what this is, the the federal government is saying, we have total authority. The state government is saying, no, you don't. Federal government says, we have total authority. State government is saying, no, you don't. They're going back and forth and back and forth. Can I help you with this? Because I I hope you realize this and I hope this is just something you put in the pot and stir it a little bit. Nobody has total authority. As much as no matter what your position is, as much power as you have, as much money as you have, as many possessions as you have, as much status you have in our culture, nobody has total authority. There's only one who has total authority, and that one is saying, will you do what I've called you to do? He's going to remove your authority away from you and say, I am the one in control. I am the one in charge. So dreams, they remind us of our identity Number two, dreams remove our authority. Number three, look at Matthew chapter two. Let's skip ahead a little bit. Matthew chapter two, verse 11. And this is the place where we see the introduction of the Magi, or some people called them the wise men. Magi came from the east. They were astrologers. They were stargazers and watchers. They came from the east and they wanted to find the king. They come up on Herod and they say, hey, where's the king? Herod says, hey, you're looking at him. They said, no, 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 not you, the real king. Herod kind of cocks his head to the side and says, hold up, there's another king somewhere? They said, yeah, it was prophesied in these scriptures. And Herod says, okay, well, you know, go find that king. I want to holler at him. You know, that's my translation of what he said. That's not actually what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 2. But they say, hey, yo, go find this king. I want to holler at him. In in other words, I want to kill this king. I want to eliminate this boy king before he is going to be a threat to me. And eventually, because of this, Herod decides to kill all the young men who are the young boys who are two years and under. And what happens is the Magi are going and they realize that they can't trust Herod based upon a dream that they received. And and on coming to the house, they find Mary and Joseph. And look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Watch this. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. 
Then, get this, imagine if you're Joseph. Verse 11, then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now put yourself in the place of Joseph here. First, he moves back home after an arduous trip from Nazareth to to Bethlehem to take the census. He has to carry his, his wife, who is at this point, eight, nine months pregnant all the way over to Bethlehem, and then she delivers the baby there, then they have to come back, and then he's working, and then he's raising this child who's supposedly supposed to be the Messiah, and then all of a sudden, some royal guys show up, and then they start giving him gifts, and if I were Joseph, you know, I would have probably said, well, guess what? The plan of God worked. The plan of God worked. Now we have wealth and opulence. We have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And if you allow me to use my imagination, my my holy imagination, I would look around and I would say, oh my goodness, God has blessed us abundantly. Look at this. Now I can start another business. Think about it. Joseph was a carpenter. So now he's probably saying, okay, now I'm going to get the best supplies. Now I'm going to give people drive-through service. Now I'm going to be able to do all the things with the latest tools. Now I'm going to be able to have the best horses, and I'm going to take all this, and now this must be my wealthy place. This must be my blessed place. This must be the place where God is going to permanently establish us. Thank you, God. There's this reality. We've talked about it before. It's called premature testimony syndrome. Premature testimony syndrome praises God for a door that's open before you ask God if that's the right door. Premature testimony syndrome, it claps and shouts hallelujah when you get the job promotion, but you haven't even asked God if this fits in your will, if this fits in your purpose, if this is your dream for me. And what I would have done is I would have had premature testimony syndrome. I would have praised God like it wasn't nobody's business. I would have said, God, I see now. This is why you have me here. But in the moment when Joseph would have done that, look, two verses later, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Here's the dream again. He says, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going in search of the child to kill him. So in the moment when he would have sat back and said, God, now we can pad our bank accounts. God, now we can do everything that I've always wanted to do. God, we're comfortable. We're in the place where you've called us to. We're in our blessed place. We're in our wealthy place. We're in our privileged place. Come on, God, this is it, right? God says, no, get up and move. Why? Watch this. Dreams not just don't just remind us of our identity. Dreams don't just remove our authority. Dreams redirect us into safety. Dreams redirect us into safety. As much as Joseph thought this was his wealthy place, as much as Joseph thought this was his blessed place, as much as Joseph thought that this would have been the place he would have stayed permanently, God says, watch this, just because you're comfortable doesn't mean you're safe. Just because you're comfortable doesn't mean you're safe. Just because you're in a privileged place doesn't mean that's the blessed place. Just because God has blessed you abundantly with things or allowed you to be blessed doesn't mean that that's God's dream for your life. It could just be a fantasy. And I'm here to tell you, especially those of us in a Western context, everything has been upended. The table has been flipped. And we're looking around and we're saying, oh, no, we're we're stuck at home. No, we're safe at home because we have resources and because we have Food and because we have transportation. No, we're not stuck. We're actually safe. And see, God is using this to shift our perspective. Just because you're comfortable doesn't mean you're safe. 
Just because it may seem like you've got everything set up, now there's a global pandemic coming and it's flipping the table of your life. It's upending your life. Now it's messing with your comfort. It's messing with your privilege and you're looking around and you're saying, come on, God, is this really what you've called me to do? And he says, actually, yes, because I'm trying to break your addiction to comfort. I'm trying to break your addiction to having everything together. I'm trying to break your addiction to having everything set up. And God is telling you right now, just because you're comfortable doesn't mean you're safe. Let me throw this out in closing. What if Corona saved you? What if the coronavirus saved you? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God sent it as your redemption or your liberation. I know so many people are hurting by it. So many people have lost loved ones. But what if the conditions that were created based upon the coronavirus actually was part of God's providential plan to save you? I don't believe God sent it. But as surely as I don't believe God sent it, I do believe God is using it. So think about it like this. What if coronavirus kept you from accepting something that you shouldn't have? What if this isolation kept you from, from, from buying something that you shouldn't have? What if coronavirus kept you from, from taking a trip that you shouldn't have? What if it kept you from a relationship that you shouldn't have been in? What if it kept you from, from some, some connections that you shouldn't have, have been associated with? What if it kept you from little things that you never knew were, were attacking you? How many people will no longer believe in themselves? How many people will no longer believe that man is their source but realize now man is going to fail me. Man is going to run out of money. Man is going to cut me from my job, but God is my source. How many people are now no longer going to believe in the myth of Western superiority? How many people are no longer going to believe in the myth of ethnocentrism? How many people are now no longer going to believe that they have all the answers? How many people are going to look up at their lives and say, I believed in a fantasy? What if coronavirus is being used by God to challenge our preconceived notions of comfort and safety? What if God is saying, I didn't send it, but now that it's here, I'm going to work it around for your good. So the next time somebody asks you, okay, how are you doing in the middle of the coronavirus? I just want you to say, I'm allowing it to work for my good. Did you hear what I just said? I'm going to allow it to work for my good. Whatever God has for me, however he set me up, however he's going to keep me in this moment, I'm going to allow it to work for my good. Just because you're comfortable doesn't mean you're safe. And what I fear is so many of us have constructed lives of fantasy mirages. And when we get to the end of it, we realize it wasn't a dream. It wasn't God's dream. It was all our dream. It was all a fantasy. It was all a perspective of us that we thought God had set up. We had just baptized it with biblical language and anointed it and slapped it on our lives and said, okay, well, I guess, God, you can bless this now. And God is challenging you today, challenging all of us. We've been complaining, we've been whining, we've been looking around, and we've been begging for relief. We've been begging to get out of our situation. And God is saying, no, I want you to still learn something in the middle of your situation. Perhaps God is trying to show you through all of this that my dreams, they will remind you of your identity. My dreams, they'll remove your authority. You are no longer in control. My dreams will redirect you from comfort into safety. What is God challenging you to believe today? What is he challenging in your heart? Have you believed a fantasy? Have you believed a lie? Have you believed a mirage? Have you built your life on sinking sand? I want to challenge you to in the quietness of this moment just to close your eyes. I know this may seem odd because we're not in a physical location, but I want to challenge you to close your eyes.
And as you're closing your eyes, I just want you to, in this moment, probe your heart and allow God to speak to you. We believe that we don't serve just an impersonal God who's off far away. We don't believe in deism, that God just wound up the earth like a clock and then allowed it to move in motion, but we believe we serve an active, personal, imminent God, a God who incarnated himself among us, a God who rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands, as we talked about last week, a God who is there and ready for us to experience relationship. And I want you to allow God to speak to you. I want you to say, God, in this moment, what have I believed that is not from you? What have I believed that's actually a fantasy? What have I believed that is not a dream that came from you? Some of you need to say, God, I haven't accepted the ultimate dream that you have for me, which is that I would walk in everlasting life, that I would walk in abundant life, that I would follow after you. If that's you and you're saying, hey, I want to make that decision today, I just want you to raise your hand in the comments or like the comment from the people who are running our social media who say, if this is you and you need prayer for salvation, like this comment. And even right now, you can receive the free gift of salvation by simply turning over the reins of your life, saying, I no longer believe in my own fantasies, the fantasies that led me to sin, the fantasies that led me to exercise control over my life. I want to follow your dream, God. Your dream is that I would have life and that I might have it more abundantly, eternally, everlasting life with you. Maybe you're not the person who needs salvation. Maybe you're the person who actually needs rededication, or maybe you need to remind yourself of what God has called you to do. Maybe you've gotten off mission in this moment. If that's you or if you need salvation, you want personal prayer, you can text home to the number at the bottom of the screen. I'm getting ready to pray, and I just want us in this moment to enter into the presence of God and as we enter into the presence of God, I just want us to have this moment where we, where we give up all of our will, all of our, all of our control, all of the reins of our life, all of the white-knuckling willpower that we would have rested on. I want us to give it all up to him right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we say, God, our dreams, our fantasies, they're subservient to yours. They submit to your dream. God, I recognize that that in our hearts, there are so many things that have stirred up. In our hearts, there are so many things that we feel like are new. We need to go and do something new. We need to go and do something that's novel or innovative. And you're just calling us to go back to the old thing that you've called us to do. You're just calling us to reclaim your vision. You're just calling us to reclaim that ancient path and bring it into a new moment. And God, even as we talk about this over the next few weeks, I pray that our hearts are soft and pliable, that we'll recognize the fantasies that we believe and lay them down and accept the dreams that you have called us to. God, I pray that no one would walk in a counterfeit dream, in a counterfeit fantasy, in anything that would cause us to look at our lives and say, I've accomplished this in my own. But God, that we would walk in your truth, walk in your purpose, and walking in your truth and purpose is the ultimate thing that will fulfill us. I pray protection on everyone who is watching, God. I pray that you would supernaturally lead and guide them, supernaturally cover them with the shadow of your hand, I think of our healthcare professionals, our teachers, our first responders, our governmental officials. God, I pray that in the midst of this, we wouldn't buy into fantasies, but that we would trust that you have called us to walk in a path of purpose. And God, in all of this, we'll give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise because you are worthy of it. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen, amen. Well, greetings, everybody. This is Pastor Tyler. And again, thank you so much for joining us at the New Dimensions Online Worship Experience. We hope that you felt 
deeply challenged, deeply moved, and that now you're deeply curious about the one who we serve, our King, Jesus Christ. We have lifted him up today, and I hope that this has been an encouragement to you, and maybe you've made some decisions, maybe a decision for salvation, rededication, or maybe you even need prayer. We would love to serve you in this way. If you would text HOME to the number at the bottom of the screen, that's HOME, very simple, it's the number at the bottom of the screen, and there are people who are willing to pray with you and lift up your petitions to God. We've been praying with people from across the region and across the country, and it is our joy to be able to walk with people as you take another step towards Jesus. As was mentioned earlier, we believe in generosity. We believe that out of the overflow of how amazing God has been to us, we just freely and liberally give back to him and to others. If you would like to worship God in your giving, you can do so by going to our website. That's ndccpensacola.org and clicking the offerings tab, ndccpensacola.org and clicking offerings. And you can also mail it in to the PO Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida 32503. Guys, thank you again so much for joining us. We have enjoyed having you as a virtual guest right here at New Dimensions. And next week, so excited to preach part two of Back to the Future. It's entitled, Go Back Home. Go Back Home. We're really excited to do it. I hope that you will join us right here at New Dimensions, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. I hope you have a safe, healthy, blessed week. We'll see you next week.